Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. And thank you so much for your giving. I'm super thankful that you guys are here today. Anybody thankful to be in God's house on this Sunday? Man, it is so good to see you. Uh, I never take for granted that you would give a part of your week um, to come and give me the next 40, 45 minutes. You get, some of you guys do it every single week. I don't take that for granted. Um, I'm excited about what God is doing at Bethesda Church. Uh, I was walking through before service and in between services. I am meeting new people every single week. Um, And it's amazing because when you've pastored the same place as long as I have and you see new people coming in every week and I'm like, who is this and who is this? And I met this um, one couple from Clifton Forge um, last week and um, they came for the first time. I think they're probably 70 years old or so. uh, And they came last week and man, they had tears in their eyes on their way out. And then this week they said we had to get to the first service. We couldn't wait for the second one this week. Uh, and just to see God moving in people's lives. And we had another person give their life to Christ at nine o'clock. And so we want to celebrate all the, God's doing some cool things. Um, and we, we're in a brand new series called Beautiful Feet. And uh, we're being strategic with the series in the fact that um, the fall season has always been an incredible growth season for us here at Bethesda Church. Um, At the movies, just two weeks away, uh, we know that it's going to be an incredible four weeks. Uh, A lot of people uh, will come through our doors, and we want to minister to them effectively. And here's, here's my commitment to you. If you'll do the work and have conversations and invite people to church, if you'll get them here, I'll do my best to share the gospel in a way that they can receive and understand it. And my second promise to you is I'll do my best not to embarrass you. All right. Maybe only once or twice. Uh, but the series is Beautiful Feet. Um, and we talked about the E word last week. Uh, let me just throw this plug out real quick. We're trying to meet families and parents where they are. So not only on October the 1st, are we kicking off at the movies, but we're also kicking off um, our first ever live worship uh, experience for students for middle school and high school instead of Wednesday nights they will start meeting on October the 1st on Sunday nights we're working on a new sound system and all the things it's going to take uh, you say why are you doing that well I keep getting feedback that parents have soccer and volleyball and baseball and this and that and the other and I can either sit and complain and be mad about that, or I can do my best to meet you where you are. So we're super excited for the launch of our live student worship experience. That is on October the 1st. That evening, we'll get some more info to you as that day approaches. Today, I want to talk to you in part two of this series. I want to talk to you about how to have a spiritual conversation, how to have a spiritual conversation. Isaiah 52, 7 is the key text, and you may want to go ahead and open up a Bible or your Bible app to John chapter 4. We'll be there in a few minutes. We're going to read uh, 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 an encounter Jesus had uh, in just a few minutes, but Isaiah 52, 7 says, how beautiful on the mountains 
are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation, the news that the God of Israel reigns. Church Growth Incorporated asked more than 42,000 Christians this question, who or what was responsible for your coming to faith in Christ? The amazing results were this, 85% of people who come into a relationship with Jesus can trace the roots of that relationship with Jesus back to a friend or family member. That's 85%. 5% said a pastor, 4% said Sunday school, 2% said other church programs, 2% walked randomly into a church, 1% a special need, and 1% visitation. But 85% of the people who come into a relationship with Christ can directly trace the roots of that decision back to a friend who shared the gospel with them or a family member that shared the gospel with them. With that being said, how many of you, by the raising of your hands, can say you can trace your decision to follow Christ back to a friend or family member that planted the seed, watered the seed, did something, right, the hands all over the building. Why? Because the gospel moves through relationships. It moves through relationships. It's so important. I'm not against, you know, televangelists, and I'm not against, um, you know, getting the word out on the internet, and I'm, I'm not against going door to door and randomly knocking on people's door. I'm not against any of those things, but I do understand that 85% of the time, the way the gospel works best is through personal relationships. It's when you and I take the initiative to share our faith. And so one of the things I'm wanting to accomplish in this series is that I don't want you to be afraid to share your story. The Bible says we are made overcomers by the word of our testimony and by the blood of the lamb. You got to learn how to leverage your story and speak into the life of another person. Um, And we want to make that easy for you. We want you to have spiritual conversations, which I'm going to teach you about today. But we also want you to get out, go into the highways and the byways, and to compel people to come into the house of God. And some of you may have a critical thought about that, like, well, why? He just wants the church to grow. I do want the church to grow. You know why? Heaven and hell are realities, and it's God's will for heaven to be full, hell to be empty, and for all churches to explode with growth as we reach the harvest for Jesus Christ. Can I get somebody to go ahead and put a hand clap on that this morning? I I believe this. I believe that we're called to go into the, the whole world and make disciples. But most people in this church are here and have stayed here, watch this, because of significant relationships. And most of us can trace our beginnings in Christ to a conversation, to a relationship that we have. The gospel is still most effectively shared through a person. I want you to notice what the prophet said. He didn't say, how beautiful is the TV? Or how beautiful is the Wi-Fi? Or how beautiful is the church building? He said, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring or share the good news. The cool thing about this is we have 
been impacted, our lives have been changed by the greatest story that has ever been told. We have it in our possession. How many of you are thankful for Jesus? Anybody thankful for Jesus that he saved you, healed you, delivered you? Now we take what he's done for us and we share it with everyone we come into contact with. That's, that's the way this works. So let me define real quick what is a spiritual conversation. A spiritual conversation is any conversation with a normal non-church person about spiritual issues. So you're talking to someone that is not following Jesus about spiritual things. That's what a spiritual conversation is. And the story of John's gospel, chapter number four, shows us that Jesus enjoyed spiritual conversations, not so much religious conversations, but spiritual conversations. John chapter four, starting in verse number one. And that's where we're going to read. It's not going to be on the screen because it's 29 verses. And I was trying to bless my tech team by telling them you don't have to put 29 verses up. So I want to read this to you. If you've got a Bible, open it. If you've got a Bible app, go ahead and get that ready so that you can follow along. John's Gospel, chapter 4, starting in verse number 1. It says, Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again into Galilee. But he needed to go through Samaria. That's a great line just to underline. He needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, therefore being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was the sixth hour, that's about noon, and a woman of Samaria came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. Uh, woman, uh, give me a drink. Um, make sure I'm in the right place. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come here to draw. And Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband, in that you spoke truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I always thought that line was so funny, like he told her everything about her, and she's like, sir, I perceive you're a prophet. I'm like, you think? Like, you know, obviously. 
Our fathers worshiped on this mountain, and you Jews uh, say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ, and when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? And the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come, see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? I love this passage of Scripture Because in this passage of scripture, we get a glimpse into a spiritual conversation that Jesus has with this woman at the well. And Jesus is not interested in religious talk or going through the motions, but he is very much interested in spiritual conversations. He wasn't so so interested in talking to the Pharisees who only wanted to talk religious talk and about how many disciples they had and all this stuff, but he was interested in talking about spiritual matters. It reminds me of an interview they did one time with Reinhard Bonnke, and it was a, uh, a group that was doing these interviews um, asking uh, certain leaders about uh, big, what they called big issues within the body of Christ or within the church, and they asked him this loaded question to which Reinhard Bonnke, who had spent his life evangelizing Africa, he responded back to the question by saying, um, until the last person who has not heard the gospel gets an opportunity to hear the gospel, I don't have time for this question and I will not waste my time by worrying about these matters because right now my focus is that I want heaven full and hell empty. How many of you understand there are times when we need to put the side issues to the side and let's get back to what matters most and that is spiritual conversations with people that need what we have. And on this particular day, Jesus has this conversation with a woman at the well. It teaches us three things that you can see very clearly within this passage of scripture. The first thing we learn from Jesus is number one, spiritual conversations happen in ordinary places with ordinary people. Spiritual conversations happen in ordinary places with ordinary people. Um, All too often, we think we have to be in a spiritual place. We don't have to be on the church grounds to have a spiritual conversation. And this is what Jesus is teaching us. This was an ordinary place and an ordinary woman at this well coming to draw water. In modern times, this was a rest spot for Jesus. This would be like him taking a rest area off of I-64, taking a little bit of a break, and on his little break, meeting someone there to have a spiritual conversation. And that's exactly what happens. And I learned very on in, early on in ministry, uh, I told y'all last week about the awkwardness of leading a person to Christ while receiving a massage. That, that, 
you know, awkward, but, you know, ordinary places, ordinary people, God does extraordinary things. Uh, but I was reminded this week in preparation for this message, I can remember my first job out of college. I was selling um, insurance for a company called AIG. Some of you have probably heard of them or seen that company. Um, and I was selling insurance. I'd already started preaching and evangelizing at that point. And I thought I was just going to a home that day uh, to make sure this 93 year old woman had all of her life insurance in order. Uh, very important. Like that's not a small thing. That's an important thing. Um, but I was there sitting in her living room and what started as a conversation about her life and what she was leaving behind and making sure her family's needs were met turned into a spiritual conversation that at that moment I, I began to share my story with a 93 year old lady who not only took the time to listen to me, but when I got done talking to, to her about Christ, I asked her, would you like to follow Jesus? Would you like to decide to follow Jesus today? She had never served God in 93 years on this earth. And on that day, that afternoon, a 93-year-old woman gave her life to Christ. How many know it's never too late? As long as, as, long as you got breath, there is an opportunity for you to receive Christ. And so these things happen in ordinary places with ordinary people at the job site, at school, on the soccer field, in the bleachers, at the soccer game. You can have spiritual conversations with people. You never know when the Holy Spirit is already at work on someone else's heart and you're just going to plant some seed or water some seed. It's what Paul said. He said, I planted, Apollos watered, but at the end of the day, it don't matter who planted and who watered. At the end of the day, it's God that gives the increase. But we got to do our part. Can I get an amen right there? We got to do our part. Spiritual conversations happen in ordinary places with ordinary people. Um, secondly, spiritual conversations happen when we take the initiative. We have to take the initiative. Um, I'm going to say something here that's very important because a lot of people live their life with a mindset of, uh, I'm going to live it the way I want to, and I don't care how it rubs everybody. If you don't like me, deal with it. The problem with that is, is that if you're a Christian and nobody likes you, that means nobody's going to listen to you. And I wonder sometimes if we shouldn't ask Christians push the pause button on our feelings long enough to not burn a bridge that would keep the gospel from being shared because the gospel is still best shared from one person to another person. And so if you live your life setting on fire every bridge, every relationship, then you're never going to have the equity or the influence to be able to share your story with a person who needs what you have. And the enemy, listen to me, the enemy works overtime to hinder our relationships, to block our relationships, to cause strife to happen in our relationships. Why? Because it prevents the gospel from moving from one person to another. The Bible tells us in the text in John 4 that he had to go through Samaria. This was the shortest route but he had other options. And the truth is, is that most Jews 
basically all Jews never went through Samaria. They always took the long way around because there were a lot, there was a lot of tension in the relationship between Jews and Samaritans. And so most Jews would bypass the Samaritans, but Jesus said today, I must go through Samaria. And I believe it's because he knew that on this ordinary day, ordinary place, an ordinary woman, that he had a divine appointment. A spiritual conversation was about to happen. And how many know that spiritual conversations can happen randomly? Sometimes when you least expect, I I left a conversation this past week that it was not supposed to be a spiritual conversation, but by the time we got done talking, I knew I had been in the presence of God and that the Holy Spirit was there and there was something spiritual in that conversation I needed to take with me. How many are thankful for when those moments happen? I'm so thankful when those moments happen. It's a reminder that the Holy Spirit is, is, is at work, but we got to be willing to take the initiative to, to put our fear to the side and to step out in faith. I'm sure the disciples were shocked when they learned that today we're going through Samaria. That's not what they wanted to hear. They had avoided Samaria their, their entire life. That's not what they wanted to do. They were shocked by Jesus saying, today, I need to go through this town. I'm sure they were a little confused, and confusion because of the prejudice that had taken place between Jews and Samaritans. No different than prejudice today, but let's go ahead and hit prejudice right on the head today. That prejudice stems from our sinful nature, and in the kingdom, there is no room for prejudice at all. At all. For any reason. And so they were overcoming all these stigmas. Um, And the question we must ask is, are we willing to go through some places that we wouldn't normally go through or go to in an attempt to reach someone that needs Jesus? Are we willing to walk with people through a difficult season? Are we willing to have uh, what I call an uncomfortable conversation. Some of you all need to be uncomfortable a little more often. Some of you have gotten way too comfortable in your spiritual recliner. You've gotten fat on the word. I said this years ago, some people are so fat on the word of God, they're no good. They sit and eat it and eat it and eat it and eat it and study it and go to this and go to that that conference and they never miss a sir. They know the word, but they do nothing with it. At the end of the day, let's not get fat on the word and become lazy and stagnant. Let's take the word of God, leverage our relationships, and let's share Jesus with the world. The most important thing in this world is Jesus, and are you following Jesus? More important than who you're going to marry, where you're going to go to school, more important than where you work and how much money you make. At the end of the day, are you following Jesus? It's the most important thing. Let's not get fat on the word. Let's take the word, leverage our relationships like Jesus did. He met her at this well, and I love that he spoke to her first because she had no intention of speaking to him that day. She had zero intention of having a conversation, but he starts out by not saying, he didn't say like, excuse me, I was here first. That's what some of us would have done. Hey, I was here first. 
Okay, now witness. That's going to go real well. Right? How am I going to share Jesus after I just said, this is my will, this is my water, this is my turn? Okay, we get it. But Jesus starts by asking a question. He says, can I have a drink of your water? And when, when I read that, what I hear Jesus saying is, I'll touch the same cup you touch. I'll drink from the same cup you drink from. We don't really see what's going on in, in the passage sometimes because this woman has a lot of questions. One, you're a Jew, I'm a Samaritan. Two, you're a man, I'm a woman. And a lot of times there was an exchange between men and women, especially in broad daylight at noon. And he said, and, and the other thing is, why would you accept water from me anyway? I know how you Jews feel about us. I know how we feel about you. She said, you're a Jew and you want me to give you water. What she's saying is, you Jews haven't been very nice. And I think sometimes, can I go ahead and say it? Sometimes the world looks at the church and they don't want to hear us because we haven't been very nice. We just haven't been very nice. Some of us, instead of having spiritual conversations, we go on Facebook rants and wonder why we don't win anybody to Jesus. Because evangelism flows best through relationships, not you're on a soapbox and you're fast with your fingers. Sometimes we post things and we want people to read them and listen to them that we wouldn't spend 10 minutes with over a cup of coffee. That we wouldn't give an ear to, that we wouldn't give time to them. People will not listen to you if they think you do not like them. There was a motto when I was a youth pastor that I, I, I built the whole youth ministry on in Summersville where I literally told everybody that was a part of that youth ministry is that these students don't care how much any of us know. They don't care until they know how much we actually care. And the world is the same way. They want to know that we actually care about them. That we're not just, you know, just evangelizing because that's what we're supposed to do. We actually are interested in them. Spiritual conversations happen on ordinary days when we take the initiative. The third point is spiritual conversations happen by listening well. We need to become a little more observant. I don't know if you're like me. Maybe I'm the weird guy, but I'm the guy in crowded places, especially like a mall. Um, I'm the guy looking for the bench, right? Any of the fellas feel me? I want the bench, something cold to drink, maybe some popcorn. You say, why do you want popcorn at the mall? Because I like to watch people. People are funny. Let's just throw it out there. People are crazy. Have you ever sat and watched people go by and you, you think to yourself, I wonder what their story is? Like, I, I wonder why he got up this morning and decided to put that on. I mean, what, what triggered that, you know? And I, I have these random thoughts, but, but from a spiritual context, I think sometimes we need to listen with our eyes. Does that make sense? That we need to be observant enough, curious enough to wonder, what is that person's story? What what has brought them to this season of their life? What have they been through? What are they going through? 
Are we willing to, to listen, not only with our ears, that's important, but listen with our eyes, to be observant of what's going on in another person's life? A few things we can, we can pull out of this story in John 4 is that it was noon when the lady went to the well to draw water, which was extremely odd because it was one of the hottest parts of the day and nobody went to the well at the hot part of the day to draw water. They either went early in the morning or late in the evening and women always went in groups. They never were, were there by themselves. So what, the, what does that tell us? If we were watching this play out today and we saw the same scenario, what we would have to glean from that is one, this woman has been damaged. She's isolated. She did not want to have conversations with people. That's why she chose that time of day to go and draw water. There's a lot about her that, that tells us a little bit about what's going on in her life. But Jesus had the ability to listen with his eyes. He realized that she is a Samaritan, he also realized she wanted to avoid people. Maybe Jesus was asking himself, or maybe he already knew that she was ashamed that her story had been painful up to that point. And the very fact that he was willing to listen to her story and not reject her or condemn her spoke volumes to this woman. Not only did he listen with his eyes, he preached with his ears. What do you mean by preaching with your ears? Becoming a better listener. All of us think this is in order right now. But how many know over coffee at Starbucks, if I do all the talking and they do zero talking, it's out of order. They're not, they don't need three points and a poem and an altar call. They want to know, can you listen? They went through a divorce. Can you listen? to what they went through. Their, their children are acting great. Can you listen to their story? Even if they don't know Christ. As a matter of fact, I want you to become friendly to some people that don't follow Jesus. Because the only way we can effectively evangelize and reach lost people is if you and I get out of our, our little boats, our little boxes. Like We, we got to get outside of our comfort zone and be willing to connect with people where they are. Jesus was a master at this. I read the scripture last week that the sinners and the tax collectors, they love Jesus. You know who Jesus made mad? The church people. I've always got church people mad at me. You know why? Because if you're doing God's will, church people are going to be mad. Y'all need to smile or something today. Right? Like the, the, the sinners loved him because he had the ability to meet them where they were. He preached with his ears. He was a good listener. People are, are not longing to listen to us, but they want to know if anyone will listen to them. 9-11, we just came through that anniversary this past week, but 9-11 originally, in two, when, when that happened, church attendance tripled. It tripled for about two weeks, but three weeks after 9-11, church attendance was back to normal. And most religious people would tell you that, that's probably, you know, that's who they are. They were scared for a moment and went right back out into the world. That's the religious thing to say. They came to church because they were afraid. We want to say all these things. Maybe when they came to church, they didn't find what they were looking for. 
can we take some accountability? And I'm thankful. I, I, I became pastor here in 2005, and our church has grown. It's a miracle what God has done in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia. When I drive up to our facilities, I'm, I'm blown away that Jesus chose to do this here. But I'm saying we got to make sure when the people come, and they're going to come, they're going to come. Two weeks from now, I promise you, there will be lost people in this building. And when they show up here at Bethesda Church, I want them to find what they're looking for. And what they're looking for is a true experience with Jesus Christ, a place where they can be saved, healed, delivered, and a group of people that will help them along their journey. Can we give God some praise if that's the kind of church we want to be? That's the kind of church I want to be. And so we got to learn how to spot spiritual thirst. Jesus listened to her story and he heard her spiritual thirst. And people will have spiritual conversations with you if you give them your attention. They'll have those conversations with you. She had never had this type of attention, especially in broad daylight. No one had shown any interest in her story. But on this day, in an ordinary place, she has a spiritual connection with Jesus. And this is the type of evangelism that Isaiah was talking about when he said, beautiful feet. Beautiful feet is not reserved for the man holding the microphone preaching the sermon. Every single person here that is, that is following Jesus, when you share the message of Jesus and the gospel of Jesus in your everyday life, that's spiritually speaking, beautiful feet. That's what this whole series is about. Every single day, leveraging our relationships to have spiritual conversations few things about this. Spiritual thirst is happening in every person's life. Every person is longing for a, for a connection with God, even if they don't know that's what they're looking for. That's why so many people end up in, dabbling with the occult and spiritual things and spiritual movies that have nothing to do with God. And it's why some people end up, I, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that will uh, do whatever we can to even help those that are coming out of addiction, trying to get their family back together. Like, uh, can I just harp on this for a minute? Like, we, we can't sit and complain about the addict and then when they want to be free, not be here to help them. We, we, can't, we can't pound the table and say pro-life, pro-life, stop abortion, stop abortion. I'm pro-life. I'm, I'm all about stopping abortion. But we can't pound the table if we're not willing to take some babies in or help those parents raise those babies or financially assist them. We can't just pound and have those babies. What are you doing to help them have the babies? we got to ask some questions and understand that all people are looking for God, even if they're looking in the wrong places. And so many are looking in the wrong places. I want to encourage you again, though, to know that when you have spiritual conversation outside of the four walls of this church with unbelievers, when you go and have those conversations, you have to understand the Holy Spirit is already at work on those individuals. It's not Jesus, you know, saying, take me with you when you go. We, we get that. He, he, he's... He took up residence in us. He goes with us. But I want you to see it as Jesus is already out at work in the world, and he's asked, inviting us to come join him in what he's doing outside the walls of the church. 
Why do you think the scripture says, go into the highways and the byways and what? Compel them. Do what? You say, why are you doing the dinos and all that? Why do y'all go so extravagant? Because we're compelling people. We're going to do everything in our power to get people here. But we need to leverage our relationship with you. As I told you, if you'll get them here, I'll do my best not to embarrass you. I may even put the red jacket away, all right? Just making sure y'all still listening. See, when this woman showed up, the music had already been playing. The disciples passed this woman probably on their way to get food. Probably paid her no attention at all, not knowing that their rabbi, their teacher, their Messiah was not going to let this opportunity pass him by. And I just wonder how many, and I had to ask myself this this week, how many opportunities have we missed because we're so busy about our own agendas that we miss divine appointments, spiritual conversations that would and could lead to life change if we would just take the initiative? How do you spot spiritual thirst? How do you spot spiritual thirst? Discerning spiritual thirst flows through, number one, being attuned to the questions a person asks. This woman was asking questions. What about the Messiah? What about worship? Jesus saw that. This is an opportunity. I mean, she's laying it on a silver platter for me. She's asking about the Messiah. She's asking about worship. Listen, people out in the world, they still have babies. And when they have babies, you know what they ask sometimes? We would like to, how do we dedicate our child to God? They may not even, how many, that, that's spiritual thirst. They may not be following Jesus, but that is spiritual thirst. When somebody says, I finally found my Bible after seven years, why was you looking for it? That's spiritual thirst. We have to be attuned to that. Listen for it in conversations. Secondly, being, uh, spotting spiritual thirst, listening to a person's story. When, we talk, uh, when people talk about their life, you will hear or see the spiritual thirst. They may say, we went to church last Sunday, we did this, we did that. They'll talk about spiritual things. It's funny when people find out I'm a pastor, they'll, they'll, the first thing, oh, I went to church last year. Thank you for that. It's awesome. It's like they find out I'm a pastor. Oh, I read my Bible. I'm like, why do you feel so compelled? You know what they're saying? That they are searching. And I can, I can be like, I can, you know, play that off and like they just don't want to feel like they're in trouble in the principal's office because I'm a pastor. Or I can, I can recognize something in them wants to be connected to God. And I think we got to learn to listen a little better. The third, to spot spiritual thirst, looking for the current work of God in a person's life. Just looking for the current work. Sometimes people will come to me and say, my life's falling apart. This happened and this happened and this happened. And I'll listen to the whole story. I'll listen to the whole thing. I'm like, okay, I've given you an hour and a half. Can you give me five minutes? I understand you've gone through all these things. But you guys know as well as I do, even when we're going through the worst moments of our life, sometimes we can't see the trees for the forest, but somebody who can look at it objectively can look into that situation and still see the hand of God all through it. 
And sometimes we need to be that voice of reason for people, that voice of wisdom to say, yeah, it's, it's dark, but I can see where God helped you here, and I can see how God could use this. How many of God always turns our mess into our message? He always does it. Looking for the current work of God in a person's life. Number four, to spot spiritual thirst, listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will actually tell you. If you'll acknowledge him, he will tell you what to say. Here's the funny thing about the Holy Spirit. He will also tell you when to shut up. How many of you have ever had the Holy Spirit nudge you and say, hey, don't say that? Anybody ever had that? Like, oh, I was getting ready to tell you something. I can't. You know, but he will also tell you what to say. He'll give you the words. That's why Jesus talked about take no thought of what to say that the Holy Spirit will give you. And I'm not against canned scripts and going out and we're going to do this, but the world can tell when we got a canned script. They do want a little authenticity. Like, tell me your story. Tell me what's going on in your life. Can you listen to my story? Let's have a real, organic, authentic relationship about Jesus. I'm going to close with this as the worship team comes. I want to give you some tips for, for some spiritual, these are just practical tips to have spiritual conversations. You guys getting anything out of this? All right, I can't really tell. When you go from like bewitched and all that kind of stuff to this, it's like, okay, gotta fill y'all out. Um, here's some tips. Number one, spiritual conversation. You, got, you gotta make this a priority. I'm going to be the first person to go ahead and tell you, when you make it a priority, the Holy Spirit is going to check you to have a conversation with a person that you would rather not have a conversation with. It's going to be that coworker that you're not real tight with. It's going to be this person that you got a little history with. It's going to be this neighbor that drives you crazy. Come on, y'all. It, it, it's going to happen. And you're going to have to make it a priority that I'm going to have a spiritual conversation with people. Listen, you don't have to start by saying, hey, are you saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit and a proud member of the church of my God? They're going to think, what have you been drinking? Right? Slow down a little bit. Start a little less aggressive unless the Holy Spirit tells you to be aggressive. And if he does, then be aggressive. But you screaming all that in Starbucks is going to cause a scene. I promise. Make it a priority. Paul said, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the increase. We're working as co-laborers with Christ. And some people, I'm going to plant some seed in them. You're actually going to come behind me and water the seed. But at the end of the day, it's God that gives the increase. Make it a priority. Secondly, pray for opportunities. Pray for this. Make it a part of your prayer time. God, today, I give you this day, give me an opportunity to share the message of Jesus with someone. And it can be as simple as, how can I pray for you today? That, that alone can take a conversation to another level just by asking someone, how can I pray with you or for you today? Number three, practical tips for spiritual conversations. Get out into the community. Some of you need to get out a little more often. 
I know you're a homebody. You're going to have to get out of that house. There's more to life than work, and I said it, work and church. One person got ready to clap, and now they're afraid to clap. You can clap. There's more to life than work and church. You need to get to the ball field. You need to join a club. You need to go to the gym. Get yourself in shape and have a spiritual conversation while you're there. You got to get out of the house. I said last week, one of the biggest hindrances to us evangelizing is the lack of unchurched relationships. The longer you're saved, the more you, you, you move into the bubble. And we're encouraging you to do life with people, get in small, all that's important. But God never meant for you to get into some group and that's it. Like you got to get out of the group and go share Jesus with people who don't know him. Number four, cultivate relationships. Cultivate relationships. That, how many of cultivating relationships is time consuming? Okay, you don't, that's not like, you know, the evangelists, sometimes they would say back in the day, evangelists would say, I love it. I just blow in, blow up, and blow out. And evangelists can do that because they can come in, tear the whole place to shreds, and then they go into the next place. But when you're a pastor, how many know you got to cultivate some relationships? I can't come in, blow in every Sunday, blow up every Sunday, and blow out every Sunday and expect to have a church. You can't do that with your relationships. You're going to have to cultivate them. You're going to have to spend time on it. And it's going to take time, energy, and effort. Number five, give away the free gift of attention. That's as simple as learning how to listen. That's all that is, learning how to listen. And the last one, number six, look for God's working. Again, Jesus is not in the church telling us to go out into the world. Jesus is already out working in the lives of people's, in, in people's lives in the world, and he's inviting us to come and play a part. Evangelism is not something you do to people, but it is something you do with people. I want you to stand to your feet this morning. Did you guys get anything from the word of God today? I'm going to quit right there. I'm going to quit right there. How many of you took the time last week to write down at least one, two, maybe three names of someone you were going to invite or talk to about Jesus? Come on, let me see your hands. I'm going to see who wrote down some names. All right, put your hands down. Second question. How many of you have already initiated that conversation? Let me see those hands. Can we give these people a hand? Because they're not waiting. Like they, They're already on it. Listen, the rest of us, we got two weeks before at the movies. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pray for the people you wrote down. I want you to initiate sometime this week because you need to give people an advance. You can't call them the night before ATM at 11 p.m. and say, hey, God told me three weeks ago that you need to be in church in the morning. Okay, let's give people a heads up. Let's be thoughtful. Let's pray, let's reach out, let's believe God is gonna change lives. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. I wanna ask you, if you're in this place this morning and you're not in right relationship with God, you know you're not following Jesus. If that is you this morning, I wanna give you an opportunity to make a decision to follow Jesus. It's as simple as just throwing up your hand and say, Pastor, you're talking to me. I want to follow Jesus. I need to follow Jesus. If that is you, would you throw your hand up right there where you are and say, that's me. 
anyone at all, you'd say, that's me. I want to follow Jesus. Thank you for this hand back here. God bless you. I see that. Anyone else? I want to follow Jesus. Anyone else? Thank you for this hand. I see that hand. God bless you. Praise God for you. So good. Anyone else before we pray? Some of you ain't even waiting until at the movies. You're like, I'm getting saved today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Anyone else? Our compass directors are going to try to spot you and put some information into your hands. But we're all going to pray together right now out loud so we can hear it with our own ears. Everybody lift your voice. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, to save me. Today, I lay my life down and I choose to follow you. Thank you for saving me and changing me. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give Jesus a big hand clap right there. Come on, you can do better than that. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Woo! Prayer team, go ahead and get in place. Staff, get in place. We're going to open up these altars as the worship team begins to play. Uh, Waymaker, if you need prayer for anything at all, we're here to pray with you and for you. As they begin singing, one more time, give Jesus the best praise you have so far. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.